We're going to be reading Genesis 15, verses 1 through 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my, my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up, the, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of or of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all this to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. Laura. Hey, Lord. So how did it go with Kat? Did you talk to her? Oh, well, Lord, not exactly. <laughs> did you forgive her? Well, Lord, I mean, I was just thinking, like, why should I forgive her? <laughs> Because I asked you to. Well, yeah, I know you did, Lord, but why? Well, you shouldn't have to know why, just that I asked you to do it. Well, that doesn't make any sense, Lord. I mean, you don't understand the situation. Kathleen has an attitude problem. Laura, you believe that I know what is best for you and for Kat? Well, yeah, Lord. Then you'll do this. But, Lord... This is no different than when I've asked you to do anything else. Yes, this is, Lord. This is way different. When I asked you to quit your job, you quit. Well, of course, Lord, but I didn't like my job, so I was happy to leave, you know? I mean, this is way different. Okay, Lord, you know what? I've got an idea. How about we give it a week and I'll pray about it? Uh, I'll give you my answer now. Uh, but, Lord... Look, Kat's coming by here very soon. She's coming okay? by here? Yes. Well, uh, let's go. Now's your no, chance to talk to no, her. I want you to forgive Lord, her. Lord, you don't understand. Hey! hey Laura, hi. It's been like hi. two wow. weeks since we've had coffee. Yeah. Oh, it has. We should totally get together this week. Oh, wow, I can't do that. I am so busy. Oh. Yeah. Well, how about next week? 
Well, you know, actually, I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Oh, well, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, everything's great. Uh-huh. All right, um, I guess I'll just um, see you later then. Bye. Lord, did you hear that attitude? I thought you were going to forgive her. I thought you said we could wait a week, Lord. No, you said that. Okay, Lord, you're being unreasonable, okay? Why don't you just go talk to Kathleen and have her come to me and ask for my forgiveness? Laura, you need to obey. I want you to forgive Kat. But, Lord... Why do you keep calling me Lord? You won't even do what I ask. Lord, Lord... Do we realize how often we say, Lord, Lord? But do we really understand what we're saying when we call him Lord? Are we just doing lip service? Or do we really mean it? Lord, Lord, you have control. I am in submission to you. Last week, we started a series on the names of God. Because to understand God's name is to understand God. It's to understand his person, his purpose, and his plan. And last week we looked at how we are commanded to know his name. We are compelled to praise his name and challenged to trust his name. We learned that he is the great I am. And it's in his names that God reveals himself. It's how he relates to us, his creation. And it's how he releases his promises to us. In other words, God wants us to know him, be known by him, and let others know about him as well. Today, the name we're going to look at is Adonai. Adonai means master. Adonai means lord. Adonai means owner. The word Lord comes from Adonai. So when we're saying Lord, Lord, we're calling him master. We're calling him owner. When we call the Lord Adonai, we're saying you are Lord of all. You are supreme over all of us, your subjects. He is the Lord most high. There is none greater than he It's a name that's often used to describe the the slave-master relationship or the relationship between a king and his subjects. We kind of cringe at that. We don't like the idea of authority. We don't like the idea of someone else telling us what to do or being in control of what we can and cannot do. One of our first words when we learn to talk is no, no. No. You ever seen babies? No. 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 And then soon after that, one of the other words we learn, mine. You ever see a toddler playing with another toddler? Mine. 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 It's mine. Mine. Toddlers are saying mine over a toy that they didn't pay for and they really don't deserve. But they say mine. Mine. We're born with this mistaken idea that we're owners. It's my car, it's my house, my job, my talents. It's my time. Mine, mine, mine. 
We're just a little bigger. And the toys are a little bigger too. But we still say, mine, mine, mine. You might say we suffer from meology. We put ourselves at the center of our universe. And it skews how we view our world and our role in it. And it skews how we view God. Now, bear with me a minute. I'm going to, let's use cats and dogs, for example. How many of you are cat people? How many of you are dog people? A dog might say something like this. You feed me. You pet me. Oh, you shelter me. Oh, you love me. You must be God. And that's how they treat you, right? Dogs will follow you everywhere. They will wait for your command to sit, to walk, to stay. But a cat, on the other hand, might say something like this. You pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, and you love me. I must be a god. And that's how the cat treats you. It was hysterical to me as I was typing this up. We have a dog and two cats. And our dog had started limping, and so we, we got a hold of him, and we looked at it. He had a giant thorn in his paw. And so we got him to the ground, and Jay had pulled it out, and, and he was, oh, you saved me, master. And he followed us around the house. And he would sit right there. As I'm typing, he's sitting right there at my feet. Now the cat, on the other hand, as I'm typing... She sits there, and she waits. She looks at me for a minute, and then she slaps me with her paw. And I look down, and she slaps me again. I say, okay, I'll pet your head. And I stop, and so she waits for a second, and she slaps me again. That, that's it. She said, I'm the God here. Obey me. See, I'm telling you, these sermons, sometimes they write themselves. <laughs> but the attitude of that dog would be to obey God, obey his master. The attitude of the cat would be for God to obey him. How do we approach our life? How do we approach God? Because it's easy to think that life is all about us. Go out there in the world. They'll tell you, oh, it's all about you. It's all about you. But the name Adonai changes all of that. The word tells us that God is to be Adonai, Lord of our lives, Lord of all, God most high. Now in the background for our text this morning, Abraham, he had already left his country to follow God. He obeys God all the way up to the point when he and Sarah are in Egypt and then he lies to protect her. And then he's, he's very successful. He's continuing to travel. He travels with his nephew, Lot. And they are so blessed and so successful, they have to part ways. Lot goes in a direction that gets him in trouble. And so Abraham has to obey God again. And God says, go save your nephew. So he does. He goes and he follows God. He obeys God again and rescues Lot. And so when we start here in chapter 15, things are pretty good for Abraham. He knows that God's in charge, and yet he still questions God. 
Abraham said to him, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And who will inherit my estate? The one, Eleazar of Damascus. You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. This is the first time in Scripture where God is called Adonai. Abram calls him Sovereign Lord. But he calls him that with his lips. His heart is still filled with doubt. So God takes him outside. He says, look up in the sky. Count the stars. We can't count the stars. Astronomers, even with all their technology, can't even count all the stars in the sky. They can give us an estimate, but counting them all is an impossible task. But God knows. And that's what God's saying to Abraham. I place the stars in the heavens. Do you think your childlessness is too big for me? I'm greater. I can handle it. I am Lord of all. But Abraham was suffering from meology. When things started to get a little bit harder and they weren't happening the way that he thought they should, he started to doubt God. He called God Adonai. He called him Lord, but he didn't really believe it in his heart. So God had to teach him what it meant that he was Adonai, what it really meant that he was Lord of all. And so he teaches him two truths that we see throughout the rest of Scripture. The first one is Adonai owns and controls everything, everything. And the second thing was we must obey Adonai in everything. Since God has possession of me, I must be in submission to him. And since he is Lord, since he is Adonai, I must live under his leadership, not my own. If God is the owner of everything, that makes us managers. We're only managers of the resources that he's given us. We exist for the Lord. He doesn't exist for us. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Everything means everything. A famous theologian once said, the first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom, but to find its master. Think about the freedom with Adonai, our Lord, who owns everything, including us. What do we have to fear? All throughout Scripture, people were only able to make a positive impact for God after they learned 
that he was Adonai, that he was in control, that he owned it all. Only then could they make a difference. Moses, Joseph, David, Gideon, Daniel, even Samson had to come to terms with God owns it all. They all had to trust. They all had to obey him. And we cannot call him Lord if we're unwilling to live a life that's submitted to him. We need to look at those lives. Let's look at Moses. We talked about Moses a little bit last week. Moses stands before the burning bush and he's throwing out excuses of why he cannot do what God's asking. And over and over and over, God takes away those excuses. He sees miracles. Moses sees a staff turned into a snake. He sees his hand, his own hand, white with disease, and then healed again before his very eyes. And he sees water from the Nile River turned to blood before his eyes. And yet, he still doubts. This is what he said in Exodus 4, verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, What makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. God said, I'm Lord of all. I own everything. Your mouth is my mouth. I will give you the words to say. And Moses comes back. It says, he pleaded, Lord, please, Adonai, please, Lord, Lord. He's recognizing him, owning it all, Lord of all. And listen to what he said. Send anyone else. Ah, think about that. He's recognized, Adonai, Lord, Lord, I know you can do it, but send somebody else. Anyone in here ever done that? Where God says, you know what he's telling you to do, and you argue, and you fight with him. We never win that argument, ever. We never win that argument. But then the Lord becomes angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? We're on a journey. We're on a journey of faith. But at some point, we need to stop making excuses. Moses continues to doubt, even when he's calling God, Lord, Adonai. And he argues with him to the point that he loses the opportunity to speak for God. That opportunity is given to Aaron. When we doubt God, he'll come back, he'll come back. 
but you may lose the opportunity to make an impact for him. How do we know that we're not just doing lip service? How do we know that we have made God Adonai in our lives? Have you surrendered everything to him? Are you willing to trust and obey in all things? Even the things you don't want to do. Even the things that you don't like. Because lordship is about submitting to God's authority. He's the creator. He has the right to express his will over ours. But we must submit to his authority. The truth is, we're designed to submit to something. You know that song from the 60s, the Bob Dylan song, you got to serve somebody. You may be rich or poor, you may be blind or lame, you may be living in another country under another name, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. You're going to be serving somebody. You're going to be serving something. Is it the Lord? Or is it your own needs, desires, your own wants? Because if you're not serving the Lord, if you're not submitting to the Lord, there's only one other person you're serving. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord. When God is Lord in our lives, we recognize that ownership. We are God's possession, bought by the blood of Christ. And when we surrender to Jesus in salvation, we sign over the deed of our life to him. We belong to him. He is our owner. He is our boss. Galatians 2.20 says it best. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As a follower of Christ, I possess nothing, but I'm fully possessed by the Almighty. Everything that we have belongs to God. He has given to us to use so that we can live and bring glory to him. We care for the things he gives us. Those things like our time, our talents, our wealth, even our health. And we will give an account someday for how we managed his blessings, how we managed his gifts to us. Just because something is in our possession doesn't mean that it is our possession. What does Adonai mean for us? Romans 10.9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Acknowledging Christ as your master and submitting to him changes everything. One of the first things we should notice is our release from worry. What worries you the most? Losing someone you love? Losing your job? Write them down. Surrender the list to God. Those things you have are not yours anyway. They're God's. God is Adonai. He is Lord of all. He owns everything, not you. God will supply what you need. What we have to do is stop confusing our wants with our needs. We had an amazing week last week at the Church of God convention in Kansas. Uh, Wichita wasn't the most exciting place, but, but the conference was absolutely incredible. And, and we came back just feeling so full of, of the Holy Spirit, just so full of, of God's presence, just the encouragement from being with God's people. And as our, our flight was about to take off, we got delayed. We, we were supposed to land at 1130 Saturday night, and a big storm passed. Or We're sitting on the tarmac in the plane, and the storm was so strong, it was actually shaking the plane on the tarmac. So I'm glad we didn't take off, but it, it was a little unnerving and, and so on. So we're, we're just waiting, and we're praying, and we eventually get home, and it's about 1 o'clock in the morning by the time we get home Saturday, Sunday morning. I mean, Saturday, Saturday morning. And we get in the car to come home, and the air conditioning was broken in the car. Okay. All right. Well, all right. We'll just deal with it Monday morning. So we get home, and because we had been in the car, and it was really hot, so we get home, and it's now close to 2 in the morning. And Jay says, well, I'm going to take a shower. Okay. And I had gone up to get into bed, and I realized I left something downstairs. So I run back downstairs. Well, I don't really run, but you know. <laughs> so we get downstairs, and I go into the office, and there's water. There's some drops on my head. And I thought, oh, my goodness. What? 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 And it's dark because I didn't want to turn all the lights on. So I turn on the light, and... At my feet, there's a puddle. And I look up in the door frame. There's water dripping from the door frame. And I, I yelled to Jay, Jay, come downstairs. What? What's the matter? Just come downstairs. And so we're looking. I said, what's above here? What's? And it turns out the water from the shower had come out of the shower, went down through the floorboards of the second floor, down through the door frame, into the office, onto the floor. This is 2 o'clock in the morning. We've just come back from an amazing week with God and his people. And all we could do is laugh. Lord, what, 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 what am I missing here? And he said, what's your message about on Sunday? I said, it's about trusting you, knowing that you're Lord of everything. He goes, and don't you forget that. Don't you forget, this is my house. This is my car that's now broken. 
This water problem, that's my problem, not yours. I will take care of it. And I said to him, I said, Lord, when can we stop using my life as an illustration for all the messages? And he said, never. <laughs> I said, okay, well, then I'll keep going, plugging along. And so all that to say, you know, bad things are always happening. We always feel like there's a wrench thrown into our time. Oh, I have this plan. Oh, but no, oh, now look. Now there's a wrench there. Now I, what, oh, what's going to happen now? And then, of course, when I, I'm getting ready Saturday for today, and I get the phone call from Debbie, that she's laughing hysterically on the other line. She goes, guess what? She goes, I'm not going to get to church Sunday morning. I'm stuck in Wichita. They grounded our plane. So you're going to have to preach, lead worship, and teach the children. I said, oh, Lord, can we stop now? Again, stop worrying because he is Lord of everything. We either believe it or we don't. And if we don't believe it, we're going to keep going back to that place of throwing our hands in the air and saying, now what? Rather than just going with the flow, recognizing he's in control of it all. And that's why we can live confidently. Whatever we do for Christ, when we live for him, it will be worth it. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Paul tells us in Philippians 4 that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But we have to believe that he is our Lord. We have to submit to him. When we live our lives in submission to the Almighty, we know that discouragement is just temporary. We know the end of the story. Jesus is going to be exalted on this throne. And his children will enjoy his eternal, joyful presence someday. We can live worry-free and confident because we know that everything, everything, say it, everything is in the firm grasp of Adonai. There isn't an inch of any sphere of life that Christ doesn't say, mine, it's mine. But that should bring us comfort, not distress. God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is wholly, wholly yielded in submission to him. There are really two basic approaches to life. One brings pressure. One brings freedom. Your old way of life, you've decided what you want most out of life. And it's within your reach. And you're going to do whatever you can to grab a hold of it. And that's how you spend your life. Constant pressure. Oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I can achieve it. I can do it. But the new way of life, 
the life that's submitted to Christ. What you realize, what you want most is beyond your reach. And you're trusting God for the satisfaction of your needs. Because most of all, in your new life, what you want is him. Nothing less. Not even his blessings will do. You want him. God takes his names very seriously. Listen to the words of Jesus when he was talking about true disciples in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. When you say, Lord, Lord, what does it mean to you? Is your life submitted to him? There's a cathedral in Germany, and this is the inscription on the inside wall. You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and walk not. You call me life and desire me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. Church, it isn't enough to just utter the name Lord, Lord. It's not enough to just recognize the lordship of Christ in our lives. We must bow down to his lordship and live a life that's in submission to him. You know, Jesus can't be our savior without being our Lord. He has to be our savior and our Lord. There's no other way. Imagine what Adonai can do with a life that's totally sold out, totally surrendered to his lordship. Heavenly Father, Lord Adonai, we know we fall short. We know we're on a journey. Father, 
to always keep looking to you, submit our lives to you, to make you truly the Lord of our lives. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples in your word that encourage us and challenge us. As we leave this place, Lord, show us the areas that we're not handing over to you. Show us where we can let go. Show us, show us Jesus. As we leave this place, may we shine your light. May we bring glory to you in all we do. And may we always remember that you are Adonai, Lord of all, Lord most high. In Jesus' holy and precious name.